Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. Are you telling me, after 15 years of unanswered prayers, we finally get our rim protector only for Dorian Finney-Smith and Danilo Gallinari. It's Wes. 52-year-old Danilo Gallinari (laughs) to mess it all up. Let's go. Seven games? Seven games into the year, man. Are you telling me I actually miss Cody Zeller? And Walker. Forget a Hornets starter jacket. I need a straight jacket. I'm going crazy. I'm rocking back and forth in fetal position. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Longing for the days of Cody Zeller. Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you're having a case of the Mondays, hopefully we can help you get over those. Keep the text coming. Text line getting lively, 704-570-9610. Mike from Mooresville says we're hearing The Rock will challenge Roman at Mania, but I think Cody is going to get himself in this a la Daniel Bryan 2014. There's no steam in this Rock match, and I think Philly will crap all over. So, Walker Fitty, I know this isn't necessarily you guys' forte. Who can forget Daniel Bryan in 2014? <laughs> but this weekend, man, it went down on SmackDown. Uh, Cody came out there to make his choice for who he was going to battle at WrestleMania for the championship. Gave a long, drawn-out speech. And then The Rock comes out there. And uh, they just stare each other down at the end of the show and nothing was said. But Cody made the announcement that he was not going to battle Rock at WrestleMania. And it is pretty much a done deal that it's going to be Rock and Roman. Now, why is this a big deal? The fans were hot because they felt like that WrestleMania was the chance for Cody Rhodes to end his story. Son of Dusty Rhodes, for those of you who do not know that, and thought this was going to be his chance to seal the deal after winning back-to-back Royal Rumbles. But no, here comes The Rock and his selfish behind to come out there and hijack the show, especially because he's a board member of the company. And WWE got their most disliked video they ever put on YouTube. It was at 600,000 dislikes and counting. They put Rock on the board at a WWE Live event. It got booed. Uh, A lot of people, I listened to Busted Open this morning, and they were tight, especially the host Dave LaGreca. Fiddy loves his brother as well. But he was tight. And a lot of WWE fans are very upset (laughs) at the Rock because they feel like that he found a way to hijack a great matchup that everybody was looking forward to, put a dash to Cody Rhodes' championship hopes, and making it all about himself like a lot of people feel like The Rock loves to do. I know people were real angry this weekend. I didn't watch, clearly. I didn't know how many people were going to tune in. I realized that it was a huge event. All I realized was, you're right, I saw the same thing that you just said. It was the most disliked video they ever put out on YouTube 
people not happy? Or are people angry with The Rock or just the oh, entire yeah, situation Oh, yeah, people are angry with general? The Rock because we know what happened with DC. He was a big reason why DC films blew up because of his selfish desires. And a lot of people feel like that this is the same thing, that The Rock mm. is coming out there and he's trying to hijack it and he's taking away a story that a lot of people want to see. Cody Rhodes is arguably the most popular guy in WWE. You let the guy win back-to-back Royal Rumbles. You think the story's going to finish at WrestleMania and then boom, here comes Dwayne Johnson self-serving ass to come out there and hijack wow. the show. So, yeah, man. So let Johnson. us know what you think about that one. Are you guys hype about it? I mean, I'm still excited to see these two go at it, but The Rock came back before in 2014 or 15, uh, somewhere in that range, and they were not excited uh, about how he performed. But, hey, I, I've been for this match for a while, but I do want to see Cody get the belt too because he's becoming one of my favorites. And now we will go to the campus. Kona! All right, we've been talking about it a lot during this show. Obviously, Carolina and Duke, huge matchup, and the Heels emerged victorious. So for those who are just tuning in, the Tar Heels got the victory. Armando Baycott, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Big-time game from him. Oh, he was great. Second Tar Heel and first since Charlie Scott to compile. You know Charlie Scott from Fiddy's team that was going to the sock hop after they won uh, a game in our challenge. That <laughs> Charlie, we did I'll Friday. see you out at the malt shop for a nice milkshake, <laughs> huh? Yeah, since Charlie Scott to compile at least 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists versus Duke. Carolina improves to 25 and 24, so a grudge match of sorts when both teams are ranked in the AP Top 10. Carolina had five turnovers, the fewest in the game under Hubert Davis. They shot 50% in the game for the fourth time this season, and they outscored Duke in bench points 14 to 6. They are undefeated when they get more bench points than the other team. And also, as I said earlier, Harrison Ingram, 21 points, 13 rebounds, five threes, had four steals. Seventh double-double on the season, 12th of his career. Carolina 7-0 when Ingram has a double-double. R.J. Davis 17 points. And for Duke, a little bit of positivity. Three different uh, Blue Devils. I was about to call them Bulldogs. Finished with at least 20 points for the first time since February 26, 2022 when Charlotte Hornet, Mark Williams, Paolo Bancaro, and A.J. Griffin did so at Syracuse. So, We've been talking a lot about this game and what happened. Let's get to who we think the star of the night was and our not-so-star of the night was. Me? I'll go uh, Harrison Ingram for me, I think, over Baycott. And I know I think he was awarded the player of the game afterwards. I wouldn't have minded too much either way. I think if, again, I was the one that was deciding... I would have gone with Harrison Ingram as well. I thought he was great on both ends of the floor. How about four steals for him on top of the 21 points and 13 rebounds? It just felt like that emotion from him, too, really carried into and matched the environment. Well, Armando is great, I just and and the he's got the emotion as well. We saw it with the Filipowski celebration, but Harrison Ingram's emotion is just all sorts of fiery all the time. Yeah, I'm going to go with Armando Baycott because this is the type of game I had been calling for from him. 25 points, 10 of 13 from the field, super efficient, 10 boards, like I said, five assists. And I think that's the type of games he's going to have to have. He's going to need at least two of those in their NCAA tournament run, in my opinion, if they're to win a national championship. Fiddy, before you let us know who you pick, let's hear from Hubert Davis on the conversation he had with Armando and how great he was on Saturday night. No, we did. I mean, we had a really nice time together just – you know, talking about him and 
what is needed for him personally and for our team to be the best that he can be. People have told me that he's has said um, that you know taking a reserve role or you know this is this person's team and my my role has changed and I told him I, I I've never told you that. For us to be the best team that we can be, we need you being a dude. And so we need RJ scoring 20. We need you getting 20 and 20 rebounds. And I said, look, I've never been a person that points fingers and never self-evaluates and looks at myself. And I said, look, I think one, being more aggressive and working harder to get the ball, and then me tweaking in, uh, some of our plays to be able to get you the ball a little bit easier in spots where you can be effective. And I just, Armando was terrific. Not all right, Fitty, so who did you think? Who was your star tonight? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Baycott. He put up 25-10, five assists. The first guy to put together that stat line since Charlie Scott did so back in 1970. And, look, we talked about going in. This is a legacy-defining game. Had he lost, he'd have finished his Carolina career 1-4 and four at home. And, look, the road win at Cameron and Coach K in the Final Four win, they outweigh that. But you don't want to be remembered for losing your last game at home against Duke. And so to put together that type of performance and the matchup that we knew was going to determine the eventual outcome of the game, it's hard for me to look at that game and say they win the game without Armando Baycott doing what he did. Yeah, my not-so-star of the night or the dud or whatever you want to call him, I'm going to go with Tyrese Proctor. I have been singing his praises, saying that he needed to finally play like the first rounder that he was projected to be before the season. And then he has a nice couple of games. But his last couple of outings, including Saturday night, two points, one of six from the field, two assists for him, that's just not going to cut it from this guy. He's got to come to the table and deliver for Duke on a night-in, night-out basis. He's the point guard. He's the NBA prospect. He's the guy that's got to come in there and get the job done. Uh, about the only thing good that he did do, he only had one turnover, but he only had two assists and three rebounds in 26 minutes. Basically a pointless outing for Tyrese Proctor. Tyrese Proctor, certain, I think defensively on R.J. Davis, he would have gotten a lot of love. But then the first, uh, second half, or, uh, excuse me, then the second half happened with R.J. Davis going off for 13 points, and then I think he did a good job there. I, I think the not-so-star for me, you know, Cadeau is a guy that maybe comes to mind, but at, in the first half at the beginning of the game, he was playing really well, and then you had to take him off of the floor in the second. And I, I love Cadeau. I think he's very good. And then I think he was the reason as to why they were scoring. He really helped them get up and down the floor at the beginning of this game. But then, Wes, they finally decided, all right, we're going to give you all the space in the world. Even with the space we give you, we're not going to allow you to drive towards the bucket. And you got to shoot. Like, if you if you don't shoot here, then we're going to clown you even for not attempting. And at least he didn't airball any of those threes, but wide open, he still couldn't get any of them to go. And so Hubert Davis does have to bring him off of the floor and then go with the different lineup. And I think that's something they're going to have to figure out when he's on the floor. Like, that is something that is going to be a problem for them. But they were able to figure it out in this game. You bring in Seth Trimble, who's been good off of the bench. So it feels weird to go with a not-so-star for him. Like, I do think Tyrese Proctor's a good name. I'll go with Cadeau, though, for the Tar Heels because of the way that Hubert Davis took him off and then they started to perform and separate themselves a little more in the last part of the second half. All right, Fiddy, who's your dud, and would you then call him Elliot Kakan? Yeah, no, I, I don't look at <laughs> – I'm not going to pick a dud from the, the, the winning team. It was, That's it was, why I didn't pick him either. It was Tyrese Proctor. You knew how important he was going to be going into the game. 
This game is like a tournament game where guard play ultimately determines the outcome. And Jeremy Roach did his part. Like, he, you know, he he, he carried their backcourt along with Jared McCain, who played at a really high He's level. Very good. But, you know, with Proctor being as big a non-factor as he was, that was as big a reason why Carolina won the game. Um, and, I, and I think you look at Elliot Cadeau as a freshman the first time in that rivalry. You shouldn't expect the world out of him. And with, with what Seth Trimble was able to do off the bench – Shows you how much he's improved and how much coaching matters. All right, so if we turn around and look at Duke, uh, who we haven't talked a ton about, 1 to 10, how good do we feel about them after last night? I'll start the conversation. Uh, I'll go with a 7. And I'm going with that just off of the pedigree. I know when two good teams play each other more times than not, they're going to split. So I'm going to go with that. I think Duke will bounce back. I think this still is a quality team. Not sure if they're the national champion type of team. I thought they were preseason, but I'm going to go with a seven as far as my confidence in them. I mean, 50-50 for me, I'll go with a five. Like I don't if if that here's the thing. If the expectations for Duke at the beginning of the season were that they're going to be one of the favorites to win the national title, have they played to that level this season? They have one impressive win non-conference, and where's the conference win that you would point to and say, oh, okay, now they're here? It's just not been as impressive to me. Yeah, I don't think that they're a bad basketball team, but I also don't think that I can point to them and say, okay, outside of Baylor, that is a squad that is ready to go when there is a monster game right in front of them. So if the idea is to say, oh, they're going to be fine, they're going to get to the NCAA tournament, they'll probably win a couple of rounds in the ACC tournament, then okay, I would go much higher than that. I would go at an eight. But if the idea is to try to match preseason expectations, then it's about 50-50 for me on whether they get hot in the second half of the year. All right. Well, uh, Fiddy, what do you think about the Blue Devils after Saturday? I'm not I'm not as down as Walker is. I'm probably at an eight, eight and a half, like okay. to meet preseason expect uh, meet preseason expectations. Look, they they played well enough offensively to win. John Shire's proven he can get them to respond defensively. This team is going to be a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They're go- they're they're still going to be a problem. And when you fill out your bracket on Selection Sunday, they're going to be deep in you know in, in in your bracket. So have they met expectations? No. But you don't want to be playing your best basketball in February. You want to play your best basketball in March. Their best basketball is still ahead of them. All right. Well, there you have it. And when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to get into position preview, starting with the head coach. How does Carolina's head coach stack up against everyone else in the NFC South? That's coming up on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Justin Walker back, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you listening here, whether it be live from 12 to 3 on 92.7 FM. If you miss any of the interviews or the segments, remember to go to WFNZ.com. All you have to do is click the Wes and Walker podcast tab, and then it brings you, it brings you to all of our segments and interviews and content. We're putting up those things separate. We're putting up the best of hours. And because of you guys, the downloads are on the rise. And we appreciate that. Yeah, we do. Very much so. Keep so, checking it out, baby. Yep, Listen keep, to us live and down. We'll be tweeting those out as well. At Wesson Walker. You can find that on your Twitter timeline. Just search at Wesson Walker. You can find the account of us doing a photo shoot in the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. So you even get a funny picture to look at. And you can still give a belated uh, album title for it if, if you like. If you want to. That's totally fine. We did it. And I think it was, uh, what was it? It was... Good Kid, Mad Glizzy was the favorite. That was the one that was leading the clubhouse in the best mixtape name. Yes. So you can feel free to see if you can beat that one or not just by going to the Wesson Walker Twitter timeline or the Twitter profile, and then you can also go to our website, WFNZ.com. We'll be putting the position previews up there, and we'll try to start. Did you just try to whistle? I did. It didn't come out. Mm, yeah. Is that be, like, is that, is, can you yeah. whistle or is yeah, that just Yeah, I can like, whistle good. It just depends. Is this food related that you can't whistle? No, it's not that. It's just, it depends. Sometimes it comes out right. Sometimes it doesn't. Do you want to try again and make up for it? No. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> My man doesn't have it. I have to do it. Later. Yeah, I don't know what's going on right now. Fiddy, can you whistle? Um... No, I. It's probably a good thing that I can. Yeah, it is it's a little better, but, but it's better. It's better than nothing, I guess. It but is it something that I wish I could do. Can you try, please? For no, us? like there's like there's, I don't even know how to like, <laughs> be like begin <laughs> to try to whistle. Wow, it's weird because I can't whistle very well either, and everybody else just said, "Oh man, all you got to do is this and that, and it's easy." No, I. It's tough. Like I. Barely. That's pretty good. Yeah, but it's it's like it's You're really about you faint. want a loud, very it's really audible. Faint. Yeah, sometimes I can do it that well, but sometimes I want, it doesn't come out that way. I want Coach mad at you from the sideline, yes, put I, the hand in the mouth, and then now whistle. That's something I've never understood. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you let off gas and look like it wasn't all gas. Mm. But uh <laughs> some behind that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never understood how people can do that. Where they take either the two fingers and do it to the front, or yeah. they take their two I don't know. hands and put it on the side. I've never understood how people do that. I don't even know how, but it's loud. For some reason, it you, is. you get some power behind that. That's like the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa steroid age of whistling. All you got to do is just juice up with a couple of your hands, and then that whistle sounds as loud as I've ever heard. <laughs> that he just basically ripped one on air via his mouth trying to whistle that was hilarious uh, we can try to transition now as much as we you know can with the position preview that was a hell of an intro with our position preview we'll be going down the list every single day i guess for the next couple of weeks talking about each of the different position groups on this panthers roster i thought all right well maybe it's not on the roster but we can start with the coaching staff we can start with Dave Canales. We now know that most of the defensive staff is expected to come back. That's what we saw from Joe Person in his reporting. Dave Canales basically told us that when he spoke to media during the introductory press conference. So when you look at this coaching staff, Wes, you can even start with Dave Canales here. How do they compare to the rest of the coaching staffs put in place by the other teams in the NFC South. Do we have a good one here? Man, uh, that that's the tough part because with coaching, I always look at it as 50-50, uh, you know, because you don't know what said coach is going to do 
but I'm going to try to project uh, as best I can. Based off what we know about Canales, he seems to be a quarterback whisperer. He seems to be a guy that can come in and, uh, you know, allevi- alleviate the uh, flaws of a quarterback. So let's just assume that he does that with Bryce Young. And they go out in free agency. We saw some of the reports that came out. I think PFF was doing free agent matches, had Mike Evans and T. Higgins uh, both linked to the Panthers, among a couple other teams. But just the fact that the Panthers, I think in my heart, they're going to get one of them. Um, And so let's just say they do that, show up the offensive line just a little bit. I'm not expecting expecting them to come out and go from worst to first. But I think as far as what Canales is capable of, if he reaches his potential here, um, you know, you look at Todd Bowles and now you look at Raheem Morris uh, and then you look at Dennis Allen. I think Canales, if he can come in here and hit on it, I think that I'll give him second because the Buccaneers have won three straight division championships and I'm going to give Todd Bowles the proper respect for winning those championships. So I'm going to p- install him as the best coach in the division for now. But if Canales comes in next season and it can be what we think he can be, then I'll put him at two. Uh, I'll put him at two over Raheem Morris and Dennis Allen because Dennis Allen, I, I just don't trust him, even though the Saints could use some tweaking, and they could be a team that could that could do their thing. And then Raheem Morris as well. He has a team that I think is bubbling under the surface and could be ready to explode in 2024. But I'm going to go also off what I saw from him in his first head coaching stint, and I think that this one, you know, he could end up doing much better because I think he has some really good weapons. And then his specialty is defense. So I think that, you know, he could bring that defense around. I'm going to go with him as number two right now. Just, just Dave straight Canales. conjecture. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, and projecting. I'm going with Canales number two. Yeah, I think he's in the top two somewhere. Just based off of it. It's tough for me. I, I know you're, you're, you're right about that. I think coaching staff as a whole, I really like what the Falcons have in place. I really like Raheem Morris having been somebody who's been in the NFL for quite some time. I think during the search process, I didn't give enough love to the fact that he was on both sides of the ball. That's not all that common from your head coach. The fact that he had coach defense and offense at a high level. Remember, he had a 10-win season with Tampa, and that was a weird tenure that he had, and then it took a long time for him to get another job. But since then, he's gone with some other good franchises. How about him just in L.A. this past season? And then what does he do? He goes after Zach Robinson, who, man, might they might have the best offensive coordinating hire from a play caller standpoint that we've seen. I, I guess Robinson, you know, isn't calling plays, taking it away from McVay. But I really like what they did at OC, continuing to go back to the well that keeps on giving from the McVay tree. So they get Zach Robinson to be the offensive coordinator there with Raheem Morris. And so you have continuity. You have a coach that is a grown-up. I hope to God we see Kyle Pitts, maybe not as a Panthers fan, but if you're a Falcons fan, you hope to see Kyle Pitts, you hope to see Drake London, you hope to see more touches for Bajan Robinson. I think that's going to happen from a creative style. And so just as far as who are the coaching staffs I look at in this division and feel the best about, I think it's Atlanta and the unknown of Carolina. I don't know. What is Tampa doing at OC right now? Hey, it's going to keep this entire bowls, huh? What are they going to do at OC? Uh, didn't they make a hire over the weekend? And so maybe they did. Let me double check that. Because, I, got it. I get drum on it. So Liam Cohen, that's who they've announced. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers found the man to run their offense. On Saturday, they announced that Liam Cohen will be the new offensive coordinator. He replaces Canales. And so with him coming aboard, I 
I don't know about what Cohen is going to do after you have such a great year with Canales as the guy. He was so good. Now, to be fair, Canales was also the same boat, though. He came into Tampa, and a lot of people didn't know what he was capable of doing either as a first-year offensive coordinator, and he did very well. Oh, yes, that's that's completely true. Mm-hmm. But knowing what we know now, like I, I got to go with what I've seen from Atlanta. Out of the Rams, you know how much you love that Rams organization. That's true. So that's that's <laughs> fair. He's also a step under Robinson, but you're right. Like so if that's the case, then Liam Cohen could come in and do a great job. You're right about that. I just think from what we've seen from what the Falcons did and the Carolina Panthers did, those are the two coaching staffs I feel the best about. Saints are pretty clearly last. I mean that's yeah, I don't I don't feel great about Dennis Allen. I imagine he'll probably get fired. I mean, that's a team, and and yeah, I mean, that's a team that they're, you know, we love the the 50-50 expression here, and the Saints are the true definition of that. If they make the right tweaks, they could be a team that could win 10, 11, 12 games. But if they don't do what they need to do, then they could be a team that falls by the wayside because this is a team that was right there last year. They played the Buccaneers for a chance to take control of the division and win it. They weren't able to do that because we know that offensive line wasn't hitting on much. Like, they're another team just like the Panthers, and I think that the Panthers are going to be competing with the Saints for offensive linemen in the free agency pool because that's the position of need for the Saints as well. The Saints have pretty much everything else now. Their salary cap, they're going to have to make some moves and get rid of some guys. Kamara could be gone. There could be some guys that are gone from that team, but they're an offensive line away from being a problem. Yeah. Depends on how much you trust Derek Carr. (laughs) The two guys that we're going to disagree on within the South are how much you believe in Derek Carr and how much you believe in Todd Bowles. We'll table that for another day. But but Todd Bowles, you know, I I don't think he's amazing, but I I do think he's a good enough head coach to continue to have them rolling, right? I do think he is a – he's a 500 coach in his time during Tampa. Sure. And I think he's probably about that. And so we'll see what happens with Tampa going forward. But with New Orleans – have much less faith. Mm-hmm. Like I, I give Todd Bowles the nod over the Saints, which is not a very high bar. Now, if we compare him not only to the other coaching staffs in the NFC South, what about just in Panthers history? Like Dave Canales comes in as I think one of the more exciting names offensively that we've seen in a while. Like Frank Reich, there were some good things that he did in Indianapolis with Andrew Luck. Really, if they had a good offensive line, then Reich was ready to roll. But when it didn't, when they didn't have good protection then Wright gets fired after a lackluster start to his last season in Indianapolis, then takes over here in Carolina. We saw it all the same. If you look at some of the offensive coordinators, that's who I'm including here, not necessarily head coaches because they've really only had defensive guys. So then you go to some of the offensive minds, Thomas Brown, Ben McAdoo. Joe Brady was real fun when they hired him. And so that was one that came with a lot of popularity. But Rob Chudzinski, I, I think he's in the top tier just because of where we are, and it feels like this is the thing the NFL teams need to do. Go hire the hot assistant and see what he can do for your squad because it's worked out for so many other franchises. Sure, nothing is 100%, such as life is in the NFL, but the success stories that we've seen, a lot of them have followed that blueprint of going to the young offensive assistant and seeing what he can do as a head coach. We finally did it, and that's why I like it here in Carolina. Yeah, and I mean, that's where the league is going. We see the league go in trends all of the time. Depending on who wins the championship, people are going to take that blueprint and try to follow that. And so the teams that have been the most successful have been the teams that have been going to get the offensive assistant. They told us this at any given Sunday. Cameron Diaz told us this, you know, in her speech to Tony DeMata. You know, she said the league is about offense, and 
that's what people want. And so that's what people are going to get. It's a different league, different rules. And so the Panthers have gone and gotten their guy. They've got the young uh, offensive assistant now. So, I mean, they've gone through the gauntlet of coaches, of coaching types. Mm-hmm. You look at Ron Rivera, the, 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 the defensive guy. John Fox was also a defensive guy. And then you go now and, and you hire Frank Reich when you planned on getting an offensive coach and that didn't work out. And now you've got the young, flashy offensive coach. So, you know, we'll see what he does. I, I am interested to see just how long these guys will stay here. Brad Idzik, your offensive coordinator, and he could go get a head coaching job if they have this massive turnaround and say, hey, you very Houston Texans like maybe Idzik. The becomes- thing that's going to be interesting is how much credit he'll get if the Panthers offense does turn around because we know it's all about Canales. I, I think people just want a piece of the pie. Just give me anything. Yeah, I think it's very <laughs> Frank Smith like yeah. and it's very Brian Callahan like. Now, those guys were in the system a little bit longer. So maybe you need to be a play caller if you have a one year turnaround. And those guys didn't get jobs. And those guys didn't get jobs. So well, they, Brian they, Callahan did. He, well, he got right, right, right. But so, I'm saying like a Frank Smith, it could be a situation where you could have Idzik a couple of years because people are looking at Canales as the guy, and they say, well, you know, we like him, kind of, sort of, but we think it's more Canales. And what's great is that he's going to be here because if they have a great turnaround, maybe Idzik stays on board. Maybe that's true. But we know Canales is because they're not going to fire Canales after a great year. And so that would be fantastic with him staying aboard. Now we go to the other side. With Ajero Avero staying on board, more so where Canales is in this territory where you don't have a lot of offensive, a a bunch of great offensive minds you're going up against in Carolina Panthers history. You are going up against quite a bit of good defensive minds in Panthers history. So Avero, comparing him to a Steve Wilkes, who's a defensive coordinator with San Francisco, was in the system as the secondary coach for a while, Sean McDermott now a head coach with Buffalo, was here six years, long time, defensive coordinator. So when you compare him, I mean, even Vic Fangio was here in Carolina all those years ago, right at the start of this franchise's history. He was a coordinator in the first Super Bowl, correct? Uh, DC. No, that was uh, Turgovac. Okay. Yep, so you've had a lot of really bright defensive minds. I do think Avero can carry that baton. I do think he's that good to be... Whenever we talk about it in the future, hey, man, we've had some good defensive coordinators in the past. I think Avero will be on that list, at least in my opinion. I think he will, too. Um, and so now I think the the thing I like about it the most, too, if you're able to hold on to Idzik for a couple of seasons, man, is that Bryce is going to get that consistent messaging. I think that's the thing you have to be excited about, man, because we see so many quarterbacks. Just look at Baker Mayfield. Look at everything that he's gone through as far as head coaching uh, changes and offensive coordinator changes and things of that nature, man. And so for Bryce, if he can get here and this thing works out and he's got the same guy for a while, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Final question. Is there somebody you point to and say that's the most important assistant on the team, maybe outside of Ajero Avero? Oh, um, Joe Gilbert, offensive line coach. Could come to mind. No question about it. It's going to be Joe <laughs> okay, Gilbert. Yeah, okay, but they got to get him the dogs. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I believe in coaching for sure, but I believe you got to have the guys. I think it's always going to be equal parts of both. You could be the best offensive line. I don't think the best offensive line coach in the NFL is would have come in here and fixed what they had going on last season, man. It's just not going to happen. They just don't have the dogs up front. But if they can go find a couple of guys to shore this thing up, then yeah, it is going to be an important uh coach on this staff I, I do like that they have joe gilbert by everything that is said about him it looks like a good hire but 
anytime you talk about the best offensive line coaches in NFL history, Bill Callahan is always brought up as the number one dude. And now he's in Tennessee going to coach for his son, Brian Callahan, who was celebrated with what he did with that Bengals offense. I, I wonder, like, that's that's the other situation that I wouldn't have minded happening here in Carolina. Because I'm a fan of Canales. I'm with this. I'm ready to roll, man. Like, I'm this is a good coaching staff. I see the intensity in your eyes as you say it. You've, like you've you're a, ready to put the polo on. You, you've accused me of being dead serious for a couple of these no, things. I just said the I wonder, intensity. <laughs> and you looked at me, you was like, I'm ready to get this thing rolling. And you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. <laughs> Watch out, everybody. Get your coaching polo ready. Man. No, I, I am. I like this coaching staff. The other situations that I guess you could accuse me of not being jealous of, but also welcoming, it would be what Tennessee did. Bringing Callahan, bringing his dad. I thought that would have helped a lot. If Jim Harbaugh was realistic, I would have liked that too, but I just don't think it was really that realistic. Everywhere else, Wes, I'm good. I'd, I would have taken the Canales situation over everything else that happened. Mike McDonald for Seattle, I love that hire. I just, I'd rather have an offensive guy with Bryce. Oh, I agree with you. Like you said, you got the rookie quarterback. McDonald went to the right situation. Yep. He went to where there's a veteran QB who can deal with anything that's thrown at him. Now, if they were starting Andy Dalton here, then I think yeah. Mike McDonald would be your guy, or he <laughs> could be a great fit. But, you know, you got a young quarterback. He he needs the mentorship, and he mm-hmm. needs the coaching. Uh, I do want to ask you, Fiddy, before we get out of here, how frustrated are you losing Dan Quinn? Are you happy to be losing Quinn after the way that your defense performed in the playoffs? Um, I mean, I'm I'm not frustrated. I'm not going to say I'm happy because the defensive turnaround that they experienced – he deserves a lot of credit, and you don't leave the NFL, I think, in sacks and turnovers over that three-year span by accident. But this is a man that his track record proves in big game moments he's not the coach to get the job done. His defense blew a 28-3 to lead. Um, and you look at his track record with the defense against with, with the Cowboys, in virtually every big game, his defense came up small. So good riddance. Go to Washington, suck for three years, and get fired. All right. So so you didn't. You weren't frustrated. Yeah. You weren't happy, and then it turned into maybe a little bit of happy sentiment. I, I hear you giving them some love though. They came up fitty in big games. Whoa. Oh Whoa. no. Oh no. <laughs> Whoa. Dan the hell, Quinn. What the hell did I do to you? <laughs> the bald head is not the only similarity between the two. That was for the nobody cares about waking Syracuse. That's true. Did you, I lie? You've been going after No, Wake. you didn't lie, but I still got to get back at you, though. I still got to get at you. Like <laughs> Gary Payton would say, I got to get at him. I, I will say, if you're a Washington <laughs> fan, you have to leave this feeling the worst. You thought you were going to get Ben Johnson. Psych. Apparently, the yeah, we got to get in that at some point. We too, can. That's we wow. Can. Stuff's coming out about that. And well, it's let's like, do it. Man, is he that guy? Hey, we got a radio show for another hour and 15. We damn sure do. Let's do that before we get to Mike Hill. We yes, talk sir. about the Ben Johnson effect coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're about 15 minutes away from welcoming Charlotte 49er Athletic Director Mike Hill to the program. He's going to be talking about Fernville. Camping out right outside Halton Arena. Great to see Halton Arena packed again. That was so much fun to see the entire environment. I wanted to go badly. I had a Queens obligation. So I got to see the Royals and get a victory over the weekend too. Oh, we're going to get there. Shout out to Grant Leonard for picking up another win. That's back-to-back at home. Much-needed victories. But also, I did have Charlotte on the mind, too. Watching them beat ECU over the weekend. Monster game for them. And what's cool about that, Wes, is it's not even like ECU was a great basketball team coming in. It was just a local school. Charlotte is playing well. And the crowd showed up for it. The fan base was there. It was tough to get a ticket. Couldn't do it with the sellout crowd. Yeah. And so that's what's awesome is that it's not even like, oh, you need somebody else to be good, which is a problem. It's not like, oh, Xavier's in town. They got somebody that's going to be a lottery pick. I'm going to go see what he's going to do in Halton Arena. It's not like that. Oh, Charlotte's good. They're atop the conference. ECU, they're not great. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm here to support my school. And I think that's what's a big deal is the fact that everybody was there to support Charlotte rather than, yeah, I'm going to support Charlotte, but I'm also here in large part because the other school is awesome. And I want to see what kind of uh, game their star has on that other roster. Like that was what was cool to me. Well, if you missed the game, Walker, maybe you could get Apple vision. You could watch the game at home in 3d and it would be like, you're there. You wouldn't have to miss the game or you could sit at the game with Apple vision and look weird. Like a lot of those people that I saw on uh, TV, just sitting there looking like mimes uh, doing movements and stuff. Do you think it would look weird if I had Apple Vision on while calling a Queens game? Yeah, I think it would because you would be reacting and doing stuff and it just looks weird. It looks like somebody put a blindfold over you and you're just walking through the streets because I walked in this morning. I see the report on CBS this morning. I mean, they showed a guy sitting on the subway sitting there looking like he's he's a mom. Like, you know, when the moms look like they're trapped behind the wall, <laughs> stuff like that. I saw a guy walking down the street, a guy walking through the mall. So I want to know from the textures, have you had a chance to see Apple Vision, see some of these videos, see some of the stuff that people are doing? Because we talked about, could this be something that they could allow in Bank of America? Or could they have an Apple Vision station where you could watch the game? And if you watch some of the games from this past year, I would love to see a compilation on how fans would have been acting watching some of the games last year on Apple Vision. I think they would have been trying to recreate some of the throws that Bryce had. Uh, It would be funny to just see people in random places reacting to Panthers games last year uh, based off what I've seen so far from Apple Vision. It feels like Apple Vision has the potential to be what everybody wanted Xbox Connect to be. And everybody wanted those wands from PlayStation whenever they came out because everybody wanted to still be on the sticks like nobody really wanted to do the whole what was it connect right that came out i think like over 10 years ago Mm -hmm. something like that now my favorite clip so far of watching this thing go viral is the guy courtside at a boston celtics game dribbling between his legs like you might just shopping for food at the grocery store except now he's got the boston celtics he's got the garden 
at his disposal, and he gets to shoot virtual reality baskets at the Garden, which is pretty cool. I mean, we're already controlled enough by our phones, man, and now you have this. I mean, this is just going to add to society. How many times are you going to be walking out places and you're just going to see people uh, doing these weird things? It's almost like Pokemon Go, Walker. I remember when you told that story. I want to see how much it costs, though, man. I mean, that could be a down-the-road gadget to have, but I would strictly have it in the house. I'm not going out in public. People don't pay attention when they're driving and all those types of things. I'm not going to be walking around uh, city streets doing all that stuff, man. But also, too, you know, we had teased before the break uh, talking about this Ben Johnson stuff, man, and how crazy that's gotten the rumors of what happened. And, and he was called unprofessional with how he handled the process and he pulled out of, of, of the job and all of that stuff, man. And so I'm just looking at it like it, it seems a lot of he said, she said, but I'm like, I wonder he does his job well very well and so i think it's not going to matter at the end of the day but these teams do talk these owners do talk we've seen instances where we felt like maybe they were colluding on people could this be something that could hurt ben johnson down the road when he does try to get a coaching job and with some of the things that are circulating i guess do panther fans feel like maybe they're glad maybe that he's not the head coach here yeah i don't know i mean it, it feels weird I, I've, I've not been able to hear the audio of adam schefter joining the pat mcafee show but people are describing Schefter's appearance on the McAfee show as him feeling some type of way about Ben Johnson, you know, the way he handled the entire process with Washington. Um, it does look like, you know, I think there's one quote from Schefter saying, I think Ben Johnson will get a pay raise from the Detroit Lions. He's one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, and he's been great. Um, we have some people saying Adam Schefter today pretty much called out Ben Johnson for canceling his interview mid-flight. Schefter gets fired up during a take that he appeared uh, that he had when appearing on the McAfee show. And the other thing is Albert Breer said, so apparently one detail is that the team's brass Washington found out that Ben Johnson had dropped out on Twitter and that the group was flying. They saw it on Twitter and then Johnson's text to the crew didn't come through until later on the in-flight Wi-Fi. Wow. So if Ben Johnson isn't even meeting you, isn't even calling you because you're on the plane, right? He's texting. It feels like it's one of those interactions that need to be more than a text or that you find out on Twitter. And so I imagine that's why Washington isn't exactly thrilled with the way Ben Johnson handled all of this. Apparently also they thought they were going to get Mike McDonald and then Seattle gets him. And here's Dan Quinn as the last resort. So Washington, man. And that's how he gets a head coach. That's so, so Washington for them to have that process go that way. But I think that, I mean, how, how much do you fault Ben Johnson for doing this? Because from everything, from what it sounds like, man, it doesn't sound like him being very professional on his part to let the team know, like, hey, man, you know, I'm not with this. So, or was it sudden? Was it that he felt like at first that he was all in on being the next coach of the commanders and then he decided at the last minute that he got cold feet? Or did the Lions come through at the last minute as they knew Washington was flying in to try to – persuade him to stay like I would love to know how this went down because I'm not going to completely side with the commanders on this uh, especially we kind of know with their organization you know you got to kind of used to be at least yeah, yeah look we'll at see. you got to look at things you know with with a certain type of lens but 
I'll just love to know how that came about and how he decided to do it the way that he did it. But I mean, maybe he doesn't care. He's like, I, I don't want to be in Washington anyway. So what do I care how I handle this process with you guys? Well, in some of the reports that were coming out earlier, I believe Jenna Lane, the Buccaneers NFL Nation reporter, had this first that Ben Johnson reportedly wasn't thrilled or wasn't impressed with the way Washington oh, was operating. Yeah. Josh Harris coming from basketball. He said that there were some basketball tendencies that he was going and he said he thought that they were too confident in their takes being basketball guys. And I think he's talking about Bob Myers. And I would imagine Magic was probably in on those meetings, too, since he's part owner as well. Not sure. But yeah, I forget the Bob Myers. Mess. Yeah, it was. All right. So you don't have Ben Johnson here in Carolina. Ben Johnson not going anywhere to coach a football team. Instead, he's staying right there in Detroit to call plays once again. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline on the other side of the break. Mike Hill, Charlotte 49ers Athletic Director, joining us to talk about 49ers and their hot run atop the conference in men's basketball this season, a season that I think largely was unexpected. We'll get to it on the other side. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.